We're bringing you this podcast in partnership with our friends at Virgin Money, the home of brighter business banking. And I said, this is my, my last day and um, I'm really scared actually because when I leave here now, I won't be coming back and it feels like I'm about to jump off a cliff with holding my daughter's hand, but I don't know if the parachute's going to open up or not. I remember the tears coming mm. in my eyes and I said, all right, bye, and I left. And I got the train back to Tottenham from Charing Cross and um, by the time I had got back home, I had an email um, from Saatchi and Saatchi Advertising from Richard Huntington saying that he just received my lookbook and he thinks it's incredible and he would love to meet me in his office. Yeah, so it felt like the parachute opened up. Welcome to The Jump, the Virgin Startup podcast bringing you the unheard stories of the founders behind some of our favorite startups. I'm Ben Keen, and today on the podcast, how Selma Nichols turned her daughter's identity struggles into a powerhouse casting business on a mission to raise the profile of underrepresented groups in media and advertising across the UK. Selma Nichols' daughter, Riley Ann, was just three when she started questioning her identity due to the limited visibility of children that looked like her in films she was watching and adverts on TV. She was adamant that she wanted straight hair and then she was adamant she wanted me to have straight hair, like the ladies in the, the adverts. And um, I was like, what's happening here? What's going on? Selma, then a theatre producer, wasted no time and dived into hero mode. If her daughter couldn't see anyone like her on the billboards, well, she thought she'd put them there herself. I took it upon myself that I was a producer at heart and I can produce content that looks like her and that the world needs to see. And so the next day I registered um, Looks Like Me. Selma started on her mission to increase representation in the media back in 2015. Events of recent years with the Black Lives Matter movement and a long overdue reckoning with institutional racism in UK industries, including, of course, media and advertising, have brought these issues to the fore. Back then, with no entrepreneurial background, she was a one-woman band knocking on doors trying to get her voice heard. Fast forward six years, she's an in-demand casting director working for national and international mega brands. So I started by asking Selma, what's her superpower? What is my superpower? So that's a really great question. Um, let me have a moment to think. I would say my superpower is turning rejection into ammunition to go forward. Wow. So I get rejected a lot. Like people say no to me all the time. And um, it's learning. I've, I've, I've taught myself to understand that rejection is God's protection so <laughs> I do you know what I mean like it's like my armor so like, okay someone said no I'm gonna and I have to fuel myself to go forward and um towards that yes um, and, and in that moment so this is a vital entrepreneurial trait and not many people really excel at it so the fact that it, it's something you focus on so much is fascinating in that moment of rejection how do you how do you turn that around how do you reframe that how do you take it so that you can turn it into something positive I say to myself so obviously I have I have that uncomfortable feeling of um internalizing that rejection and I have to say to myself it's okay it's that's not meant for me right now and 
but I know that person will want to work with me at some point and I have to just keep it moving. I mean, there's no room really to stay in that funk for too long. You have to just brush it off and think, okay, they said no, let's go forward towards where we can find the yeses. And yeah, and I teach that to my daughter. I teach her that rejection is um, a higher forces protection. You know, it's okay. It's not meant for you. And what's meant for you will not pass you. And um, that's, and it's okay to be emotional for, for a little bit, feel it, let go and move on. Wow. I thought I was talking to just an entrepreneur this afternoon, not a philosopher <laughs> as well. Um, so Selma, um, your daughter, Riley Ann, this is where the story begins. Um, can you take us back to, to the conversations that you had with her and then what happened? Yeah, so she was three years old. It was um, 2015, June 2015. And she came home and she didn't like her hair anymore. She was like, oh, I don't want this hair. I want to have straight, silky hair. And um, I was like, okay. And I just thought it was a phase and that all children go through this phase of not liking their hair. And then a month later, she came home and she was like, mom, I don't want to be brown anymore. And I, I want to look like Elsa and Anna. And that's the time Frozen was out as well. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, and then I went and asked colleagues and friends and family, like, have they experienced the same thing? And people were like, no, I haven't. And I thought, so I, I first, I instantly questioned my parenting, like, what am I doing wrong? What can I do better? Um, and then I looked around and I thought, no, but she's got diverse black books and black dolls. And she's got, you know, this diversity within the house. What's really going on? And then I showed her the DVD, I played the DVD of Annie um, with Kwanzaa Wallace with her Afro and a beautiful black girl. And she said, mommy, look at Annie, she's beautiful. And she looks like me. And that's when it hit me and I realised that, okay, I could be saying to I'm black and blue in the face, oh, you know, your hair's lovely or look at this book. Or, but she needs to see that representation around her in other spaces that she is influenced by. And so this big screen or magazines, different things, you know. So um, I took it upon myself that I was a producer at heart and I can produce content that looks like her and that the world needs to see. And so the next day I registered, um, looks like me. And it was that fast. Cause, cause yeah, what's, yeah, what day. strikes me listening to the story and I've read your story a couple of times is that that's a, that as a, as a parent that must've generated a, a whole range of like quite heavy emotions when you hear that. It did, it, it made that, I got teary eyed and for, uh, for a short, you know, for a split second and my eyes were watery and I was like okay and I felt that emotion and I felt that mm. you know that blockage in your throat when you swallow and then I went to the nursery the next day and um, there was an, a father of one of the other children and I was telling him what had happened and he actually said to me this is you want to create a business this is the name of the business right I said yeah he said by the time you come back to collect rally and tonight I'm hoping that you would go home now and register that business. And that's what I did. I went home. So when I dropped her, I went home and I registered the business on company's house. And um, yeah, and when I, in the evening, I had this business and it was going to be initially, it was a talent agency where we represent um, diverse talent. And um, because most of the agency, most of the model and talent agents at that time, it felt very tokenistic. Like their websites or their, their books, they may have had like one or two 
um, mm. black children. I mean, now it's diverse, like all agencies are doing amazingly great work. Um, but I wanted to make a statement and be bold and make the children see themselves. It was for the people, it's for the children. That's how it started. Um, so yeah. And we have to give a shout out to the dad in the playground. What was it? What was his, what was his name? Is he still a friend? His name's Richard. His name's Richard, and he still lives within my community actually. And ever so often, him and his wife would be like, "How's it going?" And you know, and like, I always thank them. I should have got. I should have got a stake in that. In that business. <laughs> but it's interesting because that that part that if this was a movie, maybe one day it will be. But that moment of into sort of intervention from Richard there, or like challenge back to you to like shift that negative emotion into positive action, and obviously you responded brilliantly, right? You went and registered looks like me and off you went but that yeah. without without those people what it what it says to me is that one you need to share your frustration or your yeah. feelings with the right people and secondly you need people near you who are going to say hey hey do something with this why don't you do yeah. something with this um so yeah nice one richard all right so then uh, looks like me so what was the first version how did you how did you start to get this idea out up and running so as i registered it i then realized that i need to I need to um, visually and physically make this happen and to see what it looks like. What, what does it look like? What does um, the joy of these young children, what would that look like on, in content? Uh, and it's to create, it create the environment. So I was really fortunate that I asked a few friends and family if their children wouldn't mind being in the photo shoot um, for me, just so I could explore. And I got um, a, a lovely... Um, stylist not stylist but uh, a fashion designer allowed me to use her clothing it was African inspired clothing and I had about six girls black girls all different shades of brown different types of hair texture and I just put them into a room and I remember there being low this was so we registered in the September and in November we set up this um, creative space for the children just to play and, in, and enjoy themselves and we did that first photo shoot and it was really, really beautiful, but something was missing. Mm. And what was missing is that the photographer was amazing. He was great, but he wasn't an industry photographer. From looking at that content, I realized, okay, I need to find someone who's an industry kid photographer. And that's when the nose, so I started asking, researching, I had a list of like the top 10 and every, one by one, they kept I got nose. And then um, I, I was talking to somebody a friend of mine realized that I was doing this on Facebook and I hadn't seen from school. And she was like, oh my God, I'm working with a fantastic photographer who works for kids. I need to introduce you. And I was like, please do. Um, and she did. And her, she introduced me to Helen Marsden, um, a renowned child photographer. Um, she's amazing. And we had a conversation and she was like, yes, I would love, I would love to work with your idea, with you. Um, but I think we should do seven different campaign style images and I was like okay once I source the funds and what have you we'll come back to this conversation and then I then spoke to a friend who said oh you need to speak to um, go to Virgin Startup you can build get some money from them they're amazing and I was like what's that all about she said um it's going to the website so as she was talking to me I was googling going on the website she'd fill out the form I was filling out the form as she was talking and she said yeah she said they offer you once you get through that process you do a two-day course and then they offer you if you get through a business advisor um, to support you for three months 
and then you get a mentor after that. And I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. And I said, did you get through? She said, no. I was like, oh, if you didn't get through, why would I get through? And she said, no, I believe that you've got something really special. Um, I went through the process and I did a two day course. It was all, it was great. And then I got a business advisor and she was the toughest woman I've met in my life. <laughs> um, so, and she was like, yeah, until you can get, um, she said my business plan was fantastic, but she said until you can get um, buy-in from the industry, what you've created and put here on paper is just aspirational paperwork. And I was like, oh, and I was like, but we've only got a week before the deadline. She's like, well, you know, um, get buy-in and then I'll submit it. And then I, and that pressure, everything just got in intensified. And I remember calling people, um, I was working part-time and I was calling different brands on the hour, every hour when I could. And on the last, on the Friday that the, I had to submit the um, business plan, I was able to speak to Next. I got through to them. I spoke to about four or five different people within Next. And they put me through, the last person put me through to their casting director. And she was like, um, tell me, why should I work with you? I had like 60 seconds to give her a pitch over the phone. And she was said, yeah, okay. Her name was Lindsay Hunt. And she was like, um, send me over some of your boys and I will have a look at them and get back to you. I was like, great. I sent her over, I, send her, I called around to find some boys. I never had no kids at this point. <laughs> and, um, so friends and- um, me your boys. Family, <laughs> yeah, and it's her boys, yeah. It was literally like that. And then um, I had about seven, eight boys that I could present. I presented them and she chose one of them to come to the casting. Then I called, um, I think it was Nina Hammond was her name um, for Virgin. And I called her and I said, I've got buy-in, I've got buy-in. It's like the last hour. And she said, that's great, Selma. Put that in the email and I'll submit your business plan. And a week later, it was successful and I got £7,000. And to me, at that time, it felt like £7 million. I was like, this is incredible. I can now start, um, I can now start pushing looks at like me forward. I feel like I need a, a sound effects uh, department. I need a big <laughs> cheer. You can, <laughs> like, I, I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing to hear how you, the combination of like committing to applying for the loan version yeah. startup with uh, your business advisor driving you to go and like validate the idea in a week and you actually responding to that because a lot of people wouldn't maybe like it's too much but it drove you again to action so you had you had andrew in the playground and you had your business advisor at version startup so these these characters are crucial in this story yeah. um i i wanted to before we move on to what happened next in the business i wanted to get a sense a bit more of uh about about what's going on in broad, more broadly in society in terms of this problem and mission that you're on, it looks like me. So lack of representation of of uh, of people. Um, what is there, is there? Have there been reports done on this? How is it mainly? You know uh, how a lot of people feel and what it looks like. Is there like is it is it really clearly understood by the whole industry now? Like yeah. where have we got to? So when I started this, there were reports. And um, there were different reports, like media reports of the lack of rep representation. Um, also in the media reports that I was reading at the time. So I did a year of R&D, research and development. So 
I went in and was just researching all the data that I could collate. And it was, there was like, and what I realized with that data was the black pounds, the black spending power was like, was like so high compared to um, the representation and the underrepresentation. So there was like, at that stage, I think it was like 3%. It was really small of like, black and asian children featured in mainstream child advertisement it was like the so the facts and figures didn't relate it's like so our representation was really low but our spending power was really high okay so for me that was enough to say what's going on here also i remember i did a um i did a post for mumsnet and just sharing the story and it was really interesting hearing people's feedback because I have to understand the minds of the people to know then how to interact with them and engage them to a new way of thinking so with Mumsnet what that showed me was the response from the mums there were a lot of white mothers with mixed-faced children Asian mothers and black mothers that were like oh my god my child said the same thing oh my god my child wants to look like me and they're mixed race and they're never going to look like me and oh I'm so glad that you've aired this because it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing um, to hear that your child may have identity issues at three years old, right? It, it, can, it can feel embarrassing for the parent. And then there was a large percentage of, of, of mothers that were like, well, you know, you're only 6% of the population. Oh, well, you're only 3% of the... It was that... There was, it was a heavy argument. It was like, whoa, okay. This was all going on on the Mums Net forum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I kind of oh. sat back. I sat whoa. back and just for the first time ever, read the comments to understand, because I needed to understand how people felt. So that allowed me to understand that the journey I'm about to embark on is not going to be easy. There are going to be people that just are not going to be interested and have a lack of empathy. And there are going to be lots of people who have been waiting for this to come around. So, um, and the business case was strong because actually for me, I was like, it makes this great spending power is going to be fantastic for the economy, right? If we spend the money, imagine when we can see ourselves represented and real nuanced, our stories being portrayed, people's stories being portrayed, it's just gonna make the world a much happier, fruitful place. Um, and obviously business will make big money from it. So I couldn't understand what the, what the boundaries were but I knew very soon that I was going to be um they were going to be explained to me yeah yeah and and I can imagine I can't imagine I'm trying to imagine when you read through an idea or something you're sharing or, or something you're trying to change and you get all this sort of mixed feedback or comments that pull in different directions like really heavy stuff that like that can take away a lot of motivation um, and when you when you're sort of in these early days looking, at, OK, you've got your loan, but you're doing, you know, you can see the challenges. That this is a systemic issue, right? This is not yeah. just about finding a new market opportunity. This is about trying to shift something much bigger, not all by yourself, but you're putting yourself yeah. out into the limelight here. Um, how did again, how did you kind of push through that? So you were like, OK, no, I need to do this. This is really important. Was it were you what was driving you? The most powerful thing and the only thing that drove me was Riley Ann. I mean, I gave birth to a wonderful, beautiful, um, creative soul. And every day she's looking at me and I have to 
that kept me going. That kept me motivated that I have to do, I have to get to the end. I have to, I've started this and I'm going to complete the mission. And this little girl is watching me every day and I'm sharing with her what I'm doing. She didn't have a clue what I was talking about. And I'll be like, yeah, so today I've done this. So she was my motivation. And also, I, when, while growing up, um, I grew up as a single mum and she's, she was amazing. But I didn't really have uh, any role models growing up. I didn't have anyone that I looked up to. When we got cable later on in life, yes, I loved Oprah, but growing up, I didn't really have anyone that I aspired to be like. And so now I was a mother myself. I thought to myself, if I can show this little girl what willpower looks like, what drive looks like, and it's not gonna be easy, I'm going to give her that magical gift that she can take on in her life in any way, shape or form. So she was my inspiration and motivation to go forward each day. Then it comes the communities and the people. Um, but yeah, that's what that was my driving force every day because I had to have something to say and report back to the child. It's really beautiful. <laughs> yeah, no, but it's, it's really beautiful to hear you, hear you share that. And also, I love the idea of your... <laughs> Of your baby being your kind of co-founder or, or yeah. even the you know the chairperson of the business hey what's happening now where are we up to um so let's let's go back to to where you where you were so you got your loan from virgin startup you got that first breakthrough what happened next how did you get how did you get then, some momentum going i then called helen marsden i said to her the money's in the bank let's get arranging and so obviously i'm a producer so that's what i did i produced the shoots and arranged everything so i was producer, finance manager, um, caterer, um, taxi. I was everything. And we had um, Helen and her assistant and we had a stylist and her assistant. And with the stylist, the job was so big because we had 12 children and seven shoots over three days. Um, she said to me, Selma, I'm going to need some additional, additional support. And I was like, okay, I'll help you. Um, not realising how intense and how just incredible stylists are and so I did that I worked and I supported her in what she was doing and I vowed to never walk in the lane of stylists again it's not for me but I was happy that I, I was able to support her and you know and it made me just value everybody we paid everyone but it made me value and understand what to make something to, to build something incredible you have to work with remarkable people as well and value them and pay them what they um what they ask for that's one of the the hard but really great lessons of of starting your own business right is you because you do all the jobs on day one pretty much and then you're very quickly trying to go how can i help source this or generate enough revenue to employ someone to do that because one it's super hard and two there's always better people out there right to, to exactly. do those to do that work you just want to get out of the way and go, here's the plan, off you go. Yeah, let the experts do what they do. And you as an expert can do what you do and focus on that. So, um, yeah. And how did you get, then go on to get to get your second and third contracts? So, um, so it was interesting. So I had the lookbook. And so we created a lookbook which had the 12 different, um, the seven shoots that we did over three days. And then my contract at... Um, lift London International Festival Theatre was coming to an end and usually at the end of the contract I would have that conversation about renewing it and I said um, to the executive director and the artistic director they were just then two left in the office that that evening I said this is my 
my last day and um, I've emailed you both my lookbook and just want to say thank you and um, I'm really scared actually because when I leave here now I won't be coming back and it feels like I'm about to jump off a cliff with holding my daughter's hand but I don't know if the parachute's going to open up or not and and as I said that I remember the tears coming Mm. in my eye and I said all right bye and I left and I got the train back to Tottenham from Charing Cross and um, by the time I had got back home I had an email um, from Saatchi and Saatchi Advertising from Richard Huntington saying that he just received my lookbook and he thinks it's incredible and he would love to meet me in his office the following week exactly right so um, yeah so it felt like the parachute opened up and I didn't crash and die and it, that's when the momentum happened and met with him and he was just so joyful and um, warm and excited for what I had created and was like the industry he, he reaffirmed me and let me know that the industry definitely needs this and we're moving in this direction mm. and and he said but how did you do how did you put this all together and I was like well, in my kitchen I was in my kitchen I, that's, I used to work in my kitchen at that point mm. and I um and I just kept on working it night and day like around my part-time um hours and um he asked me if he could um if, if he could use as an example to show people in the industry what we should be doing and I was like yes and he's and I said um he said he helped me with the cell and I said what do you mean he said I'll help you with the cell and I was like okay and that was the first day that I realized the staying I'll just figure it out. So I used to say to myself all the time, don't worry, Selma, you just figure it out. Um, so figuring out became a thing that I did daily. Um, and when we launched and we put it out on our socials that we were live and we were open, he tweeted about us. And that tweet is what then attracted lots of other media heads. Um, and then I found myself in lots of offices having conversations. Um, and yeah, that's how it started. Fantastic. I love the fact in that part of your story, Selma, that um, this the Saatchi uh, uh, director was was looking for was looking for you basically in your solution. And that's such an amazing feeling in entrepreneurship when you meet someone who's like, you don't have to sell it, right? You literally no, go. It fully. It's almost the other way around. They're like, no, no, yeah. please, can I work with you? And you're like, oh, maybe, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> he, he understood fully, and he has followed our journey and. Um, is a cheerleader of what we do and then um, but that led me to meet the incredible Karen Blackett as well um, who is now the chairman of WPP um, and mm. she has been incredible on our journey she has been supportive cheerleader mentor she's ticked so many different boxes but also allowed me to really understand the the world and the platform that I'm that I'm in and it's because of her that I'm a casting director she would never take credit for it but um when I was creating work and creating content and I asked her one day Karen where where do I lie where do my skills lie like Mm. what am I good what can you see that I'm good at because I can't see myself I'm just doing the work and she said casting casting is what I can see that you do great you bring the people to the directors, the producers, and through that, we can create incredible content. And the next day I left her office 
and from that day forth, I call myself a casting director. And um, <laughs> years down the line, I'm now certified with um, the casting director guilds and the casting director associations. So Amazing. So your superpower was spotted by uh, by someone. <laughs> Just like you, they cast you. They were like, "You are, you are who you've been looking exactly. for." And and was that the moment where you transitioned the business model as well? Yes. Yeah, so the, the 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 transition happened shortly after. So I was doing castings really from twenty sixteen. We... And and tell us about what's. I know there's been so many fantastic campaigns and projects that you've already done, but what stands out for you is like, oh, I won't forget this this particular campaign or project. Um, so there's a couple, there's a couple that I I just won't, won't forget. But going from starting from the nearest, I would say the recent ad we did for and the commercial that I did for George Back to School Arrive uh, Arrive Like You Mean It it was Back to School advert and it was grime and the kids were rapping and we had twenty I think I cast twenty one kids for that ad and it. It, it was out of the day, it won out of the day in the UK, but it also was like the second best ad in the world. Hmm. And it also was the best ad in the grind culture. So it hit, it touched the hearts of the people and the cultural setting and the communities and the industry. So it felt like full circle, everybody was just overjoyed and loved this ad of these kids, just like strong, powerful, creative, smart, intelligent, all these different things. And it was like sitting back and then my daughter singing the rap. I hear other kids singing the rap in the street. And I'm like, this is real. Like, And knowing that I played a part in making such a incredible piece of work, um, a small part, but a big, you know, it has a big impact. Um, that will always stay with me because it was the moment that Riley Ann looked at me like, yeah, I was going to, I was, of course, going to come on and ask about how you measure impact, but, you know, your number one metric is your daughter, you know, shifting her, her, like, outlook on the world from what you heard when she was a, you know, really small to that moment that that must be an emotionally like a huge a huge like moment for you but also in terms of how it, that feels like or sounds like a big cultural shift and I imagine the the client in that case is like it's the golden moment for them when they're like wow we we, we they did, they did it well yeah, yeah. <laughs> did well you know when ad transcends culture right as opposed to it just sits over there as a, a creative commercial venture like this exactly. is something which went way beyond that and who knows it could end up on on stage and 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 in many other forms um but but like how do you measure that because it's quite hard i mean obviously you can tell the story brilliantly and you can show all the different places it surfaced but do you do you have metrics around impact now and like in terms of representation shifting and the part that you started to play i guess um there are not many um the only matrix are through the black pound report so they yeah there's, there's data there to see how things have shifted and how things have changed but in regards to that particular ad it was I saw uh, I saw that on every cultural platform via social media it was like it went viral like and it was amazing to hear how excited 
all these people were all different people everybody was just so excited loved it it brought people together it was just it was just a a a, a, a flow a wave of a great wave of just positive energy and um and joy and that's what it's about making content that's going to make people want to run to asda and buy their school uniform you know like well and much and way way past that make makes them see the world differently right so so you've arrived like you mean it was one one campaign you'll never forget you've mentioned there was another um well there's a few but brown skin girl um with beyonce that one here's the real here's the name drop Uh, yeah tell us about (laughs) beyonce and how that happened so um i worked with the incredible jen lakuru and um it allowed me it was that was the full circle moment and it allowed me to cast children little black girls um and from different communities just em- embracing their joy and happiness uh, exactly how i started out just embracing the children's joy and, joy and happiness and i was able to cast that for that particular video brown skin girl and that was a dream come true. It was a full circle moment. I remember a year prior when the song came out, I was thinking, imagine, imagine if I cast for that video, it'll be so incredible. Can you imagine? And a year later, I did. And so there was a lot of emotion. I just kept on crying. <laughs> I just kept on, because I think from starting Looks Like Me, I held back a lot of emotion because I didn't, even when Riley Ann was questioning her identity, it made me feel sad, but I didn't feel like I could show my sadness. Um, I didn't feel like I could be that vulnerable. And I remember once I did, um, once the video had come out of Brown Skin Girls and I had done um, one or two interviews, it, I just was like, knocked over by the impact of, wow, I, I've accomplished this. I've been a part of this. Um, and the emotion just didn't stop it just kept them running it just kept them coming out whenever I spoke about it I would just cry um, now I can talk about it and say that, yeah that's another amazing um, casting that I'm super proud of um, and it's a full circle moment and um, I remember me and Riley and sitting there watching um, Black is King just waiting to re- we, we loved the whole on Black Is King, every video was amazing. Every the whole storyline was fantastic and empowering, and it just it, it mirrored what I've been saying and doing. And you know, there's something bigger out here, and that thing that's bigger for us is the willpower to just keep on moving forward, no matter what happens along the journey. It's just been able to pick yourself up and keep on going. Um, and um, we watched it. It was just a moment that we both looked at each other, got a bit teary eyed. And we're like, wow, like it's real. And seeing those children that are part of it, that I see them still today, like maybe in the community and, you know, there's normal kids and knowing that they've been able, I've been able to pay a small part in their dreams coming true as well. And working with a one, I can't, I can't, I don't, I don't even, I could say remarkable, but I can't really put a word on it because with Jen, um, Jen Nakuru, she's just a phenomenal human being. Just a really, just a beautiful human being. And that, ricochets through her work so yeah yeah. wow wow and and what I love listening to these stories Selma is that you've now you know regardless of of course the mission is huge and you've got it you're just getting going and I'm sure if that's true but 
you've you've got these experiences both for you and Riley Ann and for your your team and community. They're, they're, you've got them and the experiences and stories for life, which is wonderful. But of course, alongside these um, great highs in in business and entrepreneurship, there are inevitably some lows as well. What's yeah. what's the biggest since those early days that you shared? Um, what's the biggest challenge you faced, and and how did you get through it, or how are you working through it? The biggest challenge for me was, um, and I have to say, after I did the casting for Brown Skin Girls, it was also when I decided to stop the agency and take that leap of faith of being just a sole casting director. And um, because sometimes I just wouldn't get work. There were moments where work just wouldn't happen and there could be six months at one stage it was like six months and the work just didn't come through it was months and mm. I remember my mum saying Selma just get a real job your mum you just get a real job please she was so adamant that I just yeah got got just acted like a real adult right I said okay I'm gonna apply for a job and I applied for a job I didn't get an interview and I was like see I'm not meant to do this it's rejection it's not it's, it's God's protection I'm meant to do what I'm doing and um, I was like, soon the phone will ring or the emails will come through. And because with casting, you can't really ask people for whatever they want to work with you, they don't, right? And um, I remember sitting at home thinking, okay, what can I do? What can I do? And then I realized that I remember the tweet, not tweet, a post that I saw on Instagram from Colin Kaepernick saying, if you truly believe in something, you'd be, you'd be open to sacrifice everything. I was like, okay. So I read this post. I was like, okay, I believe in that. And um, prior to when I was younger, I had a one-bedroom flat that I owned. And I said, I really believe in what I'm doing and what's that me, but I need revenue. I need money to keep me going, to be patient and to be able to be in the race and stay in the race and stay in my lane. And um, I spoke to many people and they all said, Selma, do not sell your flat for your business don't do it and the business was like two three years old don't do it and I was like no no I need to do this but at the same time the Black Panther film was coming out and I was seeing posts all the time and I was showing my land the posts and she started doing the poses and all the things and I was like you know imagine if I sold the flat I can create some new content I can do more things for the people and um I sold the flat Put the flat in the market. I then called the BFI and asked them if I could work with them in creating some content for the film coming that was going to screen there. And they said they'll get back to me in the new year. I took that as a yes. I went, started Googling and researching and I was looking for this particular um, production. I was looking for to, to create an all black production team because I'd been told at that time in 2018 oh Selma you know there just isn't the talent pool well 2017 2018 just isn't the talent pool and I wanted to show the industry that there is the talent pool just got to go out and find them so I had my team together great and I had the children I had sourced out the children that I wanted for each role and um the flat was on the market and then I told everybody what was your I asked everybody what their rate was they told me their rate and I agreed to their rates. I didn't negotiate. I said, okay, that's your rate. That's what you'd be paid. 
and I the third was the sheet was going to be on the Friday and on the Thursday we had power ball got back to me to say Selma hi we've come and made our decision and on this occasion we can tell you that you, you've been accepted and I was like that's great because whether you accepted me or not I'm doing the shoot tomorrow so thank you um the shoot happened it was amazing the families the team we had some hip-hop music in the background it was just I got down on my knees and spoke life into every child they shared their superhero or their villain with me um, and we captured those moments in the images and then um, the week later and a few days later we sent the images over to the BFI they loved them and Disney loved them and um the sh- the p- images went right viral and these the black these are black panther images or, or, yes, obviously. Yeah, yeah i'm looking i'm looking at them now on discovering tottenham which we'll put a link to this in the show notes because yeah. they uh, they're incredible and then a week later when i had arranged it was the end of february and i arranged it was payday for everyone yeah. and obviously every night my heart is beating because the flat's on the market but the flat wasn't sold um the day before payday, the flat um, got sold, exchange got sold, and the money was in the bank, and everyone got paid exactly when they were supposed to. And I was like, my life, serendipity is like, it was my best friend, you know, like yeah. everything. But you en- you engineered it, Salma. You engineered the serendipity. You gave it. You gave serendipity a chance. Yeah. And it came through for you. Um, yeah. it's 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 a it's an amazing story. Um, I, I'd love to hear as we as we wrap up this conversation, what's next for you and looks like me, and then where are you on in terms of the mission and the business, and and how can we, for those of us who are inspired by listening to you and discovering your story, how can we support you? So, um, what's next for looks like me? My wish for looks like me is that we step into the realm of casting for film. So, doing those images was amazing, but can you imagine? me saying to you oh guess what I'm now casting a feature film for Disney's next movie oh my god that would be incredible so that's what I'm hoping is what's next feature films um working for like Netflix or Ava DuVernay like just working with incredible um directors and um brands to bring that to life does the big screen still in your in your mind have the biggest kind of cultural pop cultural impact on on kids in terms of how they see the world yeah I think it does on kids and that's how and that's how I started so I started remember I started Looks Like Me because we Riley and saw the film Annie and it really touched their heart and Mm. from then I wanted to see how we could diversify and um, all elements all different spaces and places so starting with film like being starting being by being inspired by film it'll be like a dream come true to cast for a feature film and and listening to you today uh Selma I don't think those dreams are uh, too far off I think they're definitely reachable with you leading the way and all, all the all the opportunities you've created um thanks so much for spending time with us at Virgin Startup um and sharing or going back into the the depths of your uh, your past and your work and sharing it all with us and I wanted to just final finally ask you um, for those who are listening today and are thinking about, oh, I've got this thing that's either really hurting me, like it, like it, like with you five years ago, or something that I was like, I see an opportunity there, but I'm scared to to start, or I'm not sure how to start. What what's your 
What's your word of advice to them? My word of advice, and it was said to me, as I started, it looks like me, a friend of mine, he said, Selma, um, if you have an idea, so the people that are listening, if you have an idea, act on that idea. Otherwise, three years will go by and that idea, you're still going to be sitting on it. Act on it. You can think to yourself, but what if this goes wrong? Or what if that doesn't happen? What I say to you is, what if it blows up and it's amazing? What if, yeah, we're waiting for your idea? So anyone that's got an idea, I say, register your name, get your domain name, you know, put a, 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 one, a page up for your website just with the contact details and just start to put it together. Take your time, but just start. If you start, you will take each step and um, before you know it, it will become something that you didn't expect, but always wanted and needed. So that's my words of advice start there you go and you said it with such passion that your your airpods fallen (laughs) (laughs) selma it's been a pleasure talking to you today um i'm so excited to see what happens with looks like me next and thank you for changing uh, our society and the world for the better thank you selma thank you selma bye this podcast was produced by goldfish studios for virgin startup Visit virginstartup.org for more. I've been Ben Keen. Thanks for listening.